Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We'll rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct video Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Murder in New Hampshire, the Pamela Smart Story. Hampshire, the Pamela Smart story is a dramatic reenactment of the events surrounding the murder of Greg Smart on May 1st, 1990. The prosecution states that Pam, played by Helen Hunt, starts an affair with a high school student, Billy, played by Chad Allen, and devises a plan to have him and his friends murder her husband so they can be together. Screenplay by William Wood, directed by Joyce Chopra, and premiering on CBS as their movie of the week on September 24th, 1991. I'm assuming you have not seen this movie before. No, I haven't. Because it's a TV movie that doesn't typically get wide yeah, range. Yeah, I don't... I mean, I know this story. I've heard of it. And I've heard podcasts about it. Okay. Yeah, I've I... never... And, and I know the movie To Die For, that this is loosely based off of. Yeah, which I didn't know until doing research for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... Yeah, i never seen it. If someone, before we started watching this movie, if someone were to say the name Pamela Smart to me, I probably would have recognized it as someone who was involved in some sort of infamous court case. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know if she was ever convicted or acquitted, if it was like a murder thing, if it was like a teacher-student thing. And in this case, it's kind of both of those. which Because those were like the most popular court cases that got national attention Yeah, in and- the 90s is, you know, either... A woman murders her husband, or she has an affair with She's a impl- This is like all premature three. Boy. This is like all the above. Yeah, exactly. And but I mean, you know, someone who was like a ten-year-old at the time. When yeah, this all I happened, was not. Like, I didn't yeah, care. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, as a ten-year-old, I was not paying attention to this. No, I didn't really know about this until I was maybe you know like sixteen or something, okay. like in high school, like after watching To Die For. Yeah, I think the one that really um, resonated, or not really resonated, but, you know, stuck in my head more is, like, the Mary Letourneau case. Yeah, because I think we were a little bit older at that point. Yeah, and then it came back when she got out of prison and they married. Yeah. And so, like, the story kind of continued or, you know, refreshed itself in the media cycle at the time. And Um, there was no killing involved. No, no, no. It was just it was her, just, it, it the was, scandal of her... I don't want to say want- just. It yeah. was, it was a, yeah, a statutory case. I, I knew about that case more than this one. Right. But I think, yeah, if... To me... Just, yeah, because I think by that time, I was like 17, 18. So that's when I started, you know, getting... I, I'm, I was more cognizant of these things. Yeah, and I, I think, yeah, to us, it's, you know, talking about Pamela Smart now may be similar to someone, you know, who's in their 20s trying to talk about, like, Casey Anthony in 10 years. You know, like, yeah. they may be aware of the name, but they don't remember what she did yeah. or what she was accused of doing. So I think it's the same type of time frame gap type of thing. Um, but yeah, these, these things happen every once in a while, and CBS jumped on the opportunity to produce a movie as soon as possible because as i mentioned in the summary page the murder happened on may 1st of 1990 and they had already produced and premiered a movie on september of the following year yeah um, and i mean that trial went fast yeah being experienced with trials i mean i have no idea about criminal stuff but this was like expedited quickly and I mean, even just trials that we see now, like, you know, with the staircase or even, you know, the jinx or like that stuff takes like a oh yeah couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Years. And then there's usually a bunch of appeals that go through. The this happened that, yeah. within like three months, it seemed like. Right. Like the trial just happened in like 
August or something of the same year. It was just insane how quickly this, like, I don't know, the conviction came about. And then all of a sudden, two months later, they're already thinking about making a movie for this. Yeah, I mean, because... uh, Apparently this is one, it's not really mentioned so much in the movie itself, right? But this yeah. is apparently like one of the first nationally televised yeah. trials, the first ones that got media attention. So yes, of course, there's going to be attention um, or, you know, the idea of, of sensationalizing it and fictionalizing it um, to take advantage of the groundswell, you know, the, the interest in, in pop culture. The movie does not really mention that media frenzy at all there's like one establishing shot of the courtroom at the very beginning where there's a bunch of people trying to get into the courtroom but it's not a huge huge crowd it almost seems like it's yeah a bunch of like local people or local media it doesn't seem like it'd be anything beyond that yeah but this got you know nationwide attention it did yeah and even in the courtroom scenes which are not very many in the movie um it's mostly the reenactments um, of what happened leading up to the trial, but it's they don't really mention any of that frenzy. They don't really show the cameras. They don't talk about like people taking photographs all the time, or you know, the news reporters don't really factor into the plot. So you know, it's it's weird that that was such a major part of the actual story, in a sense, but it's omitted completely in the script and the. Pro- production of this but i think part of why the resolution happened so quickly is because it seemed like if the movie is to believed right everyone was really sloppy about how they handled the crime yeah and talking to each other about it you know because you have like these scenes near the end where these teenagers it's a group of four teenagers two of them uh, quote unquote broke into the house mm-hmm. uh, with uh, what we're told is an unlocked door um, and two of them are waiting in a getaway car uh, at the mall parking lot, however, yeah, however we don't far, know away. far we don't away. Know. And so, you know, there's four young teenagers, and so, yeah, they get to bragging about stuff naturally, and then word gets around, and then, you know, yeah, you people, can't... you know, the dominoes start to fall, and she gets You can't arrested keep quiet about something like this. Huh? Yeah. And even in scenes in the movie, there's a lot of scenes where Pamela Smart is talking openly in a public setting in the school about their plans to murder her husband. Yeah. And Cecilia, this um, student-slash-temp worker who's working at this media center for extra credit, overhears all this, and she's like, you're not going to really do it, are you? Like, you know, like, so it, it, clearly it's wide out I in mean, the open according yeah, to this movie. People, the teens are going to gossip. Right. <laughs> But, I mean, that's when... Uh, so we also watched the... Um, there was a documentary about Pamela Smart called Captivated. And that was released in 2014. But she just kind of... We get her side of the story where she just says... She never really spoke to Billy about coming up with a plan for killing her husband at all. So she, you know, it makes it think that, you know, the Cecilia girl just said that right stuff it, about her, about Pam and Billy coming up with this plan, like, pretty much in front of her. Yeah, th- this, this And also Billy, I guess. This documentary throws a lot of doubt into the whole conviction of Pam. Yeah. Um, and I think with very compelling arguments one is obviously like the media frenzy behind the whole thing and how everyone seemed to get swept up in that including the judge um and the jurors and everyone else involved and so there's like this narrative that was being pushed on tv that was swaying the verdict potentially that the jurors were not properly sequestered to avoid that media coverage and that you know um influence uh, that the young kids who were there, the four kids, were not sequestered from each other. They're all allowed to just stay in a group and basically converse and get their stories straight at yeah. all times. And that like would without act as... any guidance from an attorney or anything like that. Right. Uh, and then there's a lot like of... It was just, yeah, it was sloppily handled all around. 
Yeah, um, and, and then the I think the biggest piece is that the conviction hinged a lot on this bugged recording where Cecilia wears a wire and is talking to Pam yeah. about the whole plot. And evidently the audio is so garbled that someone had to transcribe it. We don't know who transcribed it. And the transcription makes it look like th certain things happen in an order when it could have been overlapping conversations. And so they used the text version of the transcript rather than the actual audio, which was inaudible yeah. to most people to use in as their court. key point of yeah. evidence in this. Yeah, against Pam. So there are potential doubts. And, you know, without having access to the old court footage where you would see the actual prosecution and defense live in full yeah course, i mean you know, yeah this is 19, there may be more to the story this is that, 1990 so they probably do not have all that you know equipment and plus this is pretty much the first one to be televised like on court tv yeah well it wasn't court tv at that time because this was 90 so they didn't even have that cable channel but um i think court tv started around 93-ish like the oj simpson trial era okay well, I think that's when that really started to hit. I did um, go on courttv.com. But things like CNN and whatnot probably would have covered day-to-day -day coverage. Yeah. Most likely, obviously, a lot of local channels would have given you the rundown each day. Um, and there were, especially in the area where this happened in New Hampshire, they would preempt all the programming and show you the entirety of the trial. Yeah. Um throughout you know each day so you know there are records in local news stations whether or not those have been retained who knows but um yeah it was shown in its entirety at least in some markets uh, but it got national attention enough that cbs wanted to pick up a, a movie oh yeah and i think what's really interesting is something that kind of bothers me about the entire story in general not just how you know what we learned from the captivated documentary which i think was originally on hbo now you can rent it on different services like, like prime yeah um and also in the movie is that it doesn't seem like the motivation is really there for pam at all and so they kind of they lean into this whole like 80s mentality of punk is bad right so like when you're first introduced to pam yeah she's, she's like this punk this rebel heavy metal maiden <laughs> and well, she's she was in college a DJ, and she was obsessed with the band Van Halen. Right, and her license plate is Halen. Yeah, and she even names <laughs> her dog, her dog Haley after, yeah. after. So she just, you know, she's obsessed with them. It's, I mean, people are obsessed with a band or whatever. But when presenting a character, especially <laughs> in the public eye and in right. the media, they're in just these like, days, oh, she listens to hair metal and metal. Yes. Is, I mean, that's heavy even, metal is a quote is equated like, with evil. This Especially is like, in the 80s. Yeah, this is getting into like the whole satanic panic again. Yeah. Even though they didn't say anything like she's a Satan worshiper or whatever. Right, but they allude to that. That like just heavy because, metal is bad. Yes, and Billy is also a punk rocker, and so he's bad. They make a really big deal about how Greg cuts his hair to get the corporate job to help support them. Right. And she's really upset that she's not with the same person that she was she with before because college, the hair was yeah. cut. Yeah. He's no longer the punk, and so now she needs to find something different, and here comes Billy with the long hair. Oh, good. You know, like, it, it's, they focus a lot of attention on this as if it's a key attribute as to why she is the way she, you know, why she did what she did. Right. Allegedly. Um, and then the other part, which isn't really focused on too much other than this weird scene where they, shortly after Pam and Greg get married, uh, there's that scene with them and Greg's parents about her itemizing all of the presents and listing the values of each thing that they got and like saying oh on my side of the family the average gift costs x and on your side it costs y isn't it important to learn these things like one no I think everyone's agreement that it's really not important to learn these things but two why was that scene in there? Because it didn't actually factor into anything. I think... It's just showing us that she's, like, they made, materialistic and all about yeah, money. Yeah, they made... And, I think they were just trying to show that she was uh, kind of... Like, sociopathic or something? Yeah, either that... Well, yeah, that and just kind of... It made it seem as if she married Greg for his money. Because it's obvious that his family is has the money. And right. she... Her side of the family does not 
Right, but her side the of the whole, family gave more yeah, presents. Than that's what she's the, kind the, of yeah, like passive side. aggressively telling right. her in-laws. My family f- spent more money on our wedding gifts, even though they do not make a lot of money, and you guys make a lot of money and didn't give us, you know, a three hundred dollar toaster or whatever. Right. I yeah, think yeah. that was just like a kind of like to show her as being this. Yeah, materialistic or just like this passive aggressive, which is going woman. away from the punk mentality, right? Like, yeah, you know, it's sort of contradictory. Unless they're also trying to paint the picture of she's so materialistic that she would kill Greg for the money. Well, kind of. You know, they, they sort of get in that because yeah, obviously sorta... Billy is not going to be able to support them, right? You know, because well, that's why she in the movie she's like the only way for us to be together is for Greg to die or be killed or whatever right so i can take his insurance money and then we can be together and use that insurance money to be together because if they divorce because billy's like why don't you just divorce she's like well he's gonna take everything and i'll have nothing and then we me and you will have nothing right and and she also talks about um i guess we should say trigger warning for for abuse in this yeah domestic abuse um but but i mean she the movie lends us to believe that that's completely false yeah i don't know enough because the the hbo documentary does not cover it at all right i don't know what research you've done i don't know if that even came up in the trial at all in terms of her possibly being abused no because in so okay what i was saying on courttv.com the in i don't want to say the trial is on court tv.com and i was watching oh, okay. some of it okay like some so of their they have like yeah, testimony so she doesn't she makes greg out to be this great guy she doesn't say anything about him being abusive or anything right but i don't know if that's like so in the movie you know they show her with you know bruises and stuff but well, they show her with one bruise and they have like that one scene where she runs to her parents house because she claims that billy hit her but um, I think but it was. It doesn't seem like that was actually the case. Yeah. They made you know they're making it out so that Pam is a liar who will manipulate anybody to get what she wants. Yeah, that's, that's what this movie. TV movie is making it out to yes. be. But in the and so she's also telling Billy, we can't just divorce because he is aggressive. He's mean. He's going to come after us. Yeah. He's dangerous. In well, yeah, and then even in the documentary she doesn't mention it at all but i mean no, i think the in negative her... thing that they say in the documentary is that he cheated on her yeah that's and the one that's thing that's why she started the relationship with billy is sort of like a revenge yeah affair because i mean billy was showing all this affection towards her or he had a crush on her and she just liked having some sort of attention from someone mm-hmm and they'd only been together less than a year. Or married less married, than a yeah. year. Married, yeah. We don't know how long they've been together. Yeah, it seemed like high school, maybe? But maybe. Because, I, mean, I mean, they. she's 22 when he's killed. Right. He's 24. So they may have met in college. I mean, they don't really say. Yeah, they don't really say. But they may be together. They probably were together during college. So maybe they were together like three years, they get engaged, they got married, and then they were married just under a year. So they're probably together like three, four years total. Right. Yeah, I think overall, I think what I'm trying to say is that I don't think the movie showed legitimate motive on Pam's part. Yeah. It just showed her to be... Like some cold, manipulative person who is just going to do whatever she wants at any time. And there was no real reason to kill Greg, but she did it anyway. That's what the movie was presenting. Yeah, this TV movie. I think movie. that was sort of a mistake. Yeah, the TV movie. Um, I think they, you know, they probably should have presented more of an actual legitimate motive, but maybe they couldn't because there wasn't I think, anything. That I mean, was I don't know where the, the uh, yeah, I don't know how the director or the writers got. They probably got this information just from watching the trial themselves, and yeah. they probably came up i mean i don't know if they spoke with like her parents or his parents i don't know how they made 
this movie. They definitely make it seem like it's, yeah, based off of, like, the news coverage and, every, you know, like, the testimony that Billy and everyone else had provided. Yeah, they mostly the thing, got... And they just recreated it from that. Yeah, they mostly got the information from the teenagers, like, not necessarily her. Right. Well, because she was found guilty, so they probably couldn't even speak to her. Yeah, they probably wouldn't have wanted to either. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, why would a guilty person tell us the truth they didn't yeah. tell the truth in court and you know who would believe it right um so yeah they're they're probably the writers for this tv movie it's like on the perspective of these teenagers yeah uh by the way it was written by william wood um he does a lot of tv work he's done like the mod squad tv series mission impossible mary tyler moore episodes as well but he also does you know schlock like the execution city killer savages and he also has another 1991 tv movie that is not on our list because i couldn't find a working cop you know a, a visible copy for us it's called deadly intentions again <laughs> uh starring harry hamlin and feruza balk so hmm. if anyone knows of a way for us to watch that let us know um but yeah that's the guy who's responsible sort of a an old school tv writer but yeah so i think yeah he basically just took everything from the trial and just leaned into that narrative of oh she's this cold-hearted woman who's yeah. gonna do what she wants to do and no one's gonna stand in her way and it doesn't matter if it actually makes logical sense or not there are a lot of weird scenes in this movie um <laughs> that you know i think the, the hbo document documentary puts additional context into them but you know one that really stood out to me that didn't really get much additional context is the orange juice ad where her and billy kind of really start to spark up their affair yeah so she's this media director she's not actually a teacher in the school she's part of this media program that i guess cover in the documentary hbo one um so she covered like multiple schools not just this one yeah. that billy went to but also a bunch so she was bouncing around a bunch um and one of the initiatives that they wanted to do was uh, there was a contest for orange juice where they wanted people to create advertisements for their product uh, um, or just the generic concept of drinking orange juice, which is yeah. makes sense in the 90s. You know, yeah, like it's like orange juice is healthy. It's vitamin C or yeah, whatever. Just, you know, the Florida Orange Council or whatever. It's not a specific company, just, you know, general fruit promotion. Um, and so they're... They're doing all kinds of, like, crazy dress-up dances as cave women and, like, bashing oranges with clubs and stuff. Yeah, and it was Billy's very camera and... <laughs> cheesy. Yeah. And then I was like, I want to see the real ad. And I know. Then, well, in the documentary, they show... They show a tiny Like, a bit minute of it, yeah. of it. And it's exactly that, where it's her and the other two. It's Cecilia and then another girl, I guess, that they used. Right. From maybe that program because i don't know how many people were really in that program yeah it seemed like there was like four everyone, kids but there may have been more there probably were more yeah when they first introduce billy and um pam as you know in the same room together they're in a circle where they're sharing stories yeah. about drug addiction basically yeah because i don't kinda, know what it has to do with media i think she wanted to do um like a psa Either that or not a documentary, but yeah, maybe a PSA about, you know, children in high school and like dealing with, you know, drugs or whatever. I think yeah. that's... Unless she also just does that in her part time is like helping with counseling of teenagers because she has... She has like She this, had had those struggles in the yeah. past, she said. Right. So. Yeah. And then she has like that communications degree... Yeah, so maybe it's just been an additional mentorship role in addition to her media stuff, but they don't right. get into that too much but yeah it's it's a really weird scene with the orange juice it's stuff very and it, it funny me to learn and, more about yeah. the real story <laughs> yeah it just it it's like cheesy it's a very cheesy video and they and i what i appreciate about this movie is they are like very true to like everything including that video like even just the clothes that she wore when they show the documentary of Pam like being interviewed after her husband died when she's wearing a red dress in the movie I mean hell, we didn't even say like Helen Hunt is Pam yeah like we see, said that in the summary paragraph oh yeah. okay 
But, like, Helen Hunt is wearing a red dress. So it's like they did pay attention to that. Yeah, they got a lot of like they stayed the visual true. details. Yes. They stayed true to, like, all the visual details. Because they even comment about her clothes and, like, her makeup and hair a lot. And, like, the location looks to be about the same. You know, the condos look about the same as what they really were. Yeah. Um, and some of those other details. And, like, the mall parking lot looks to, probably is the exact same mall It's probably, lot. like, the same condo association. And they just used, like, a different one that wasn't theirs. I don't... Maybe it was, like, a neighbor's house. I don't know. Right. That they filmed at. Yeah. It, it's, it's tough to know for sure. But, yeah, they do seem to take great care in those details even if there's no way for us to know for sure if any of the actual dialogue is real right so um but i mean regardless of of that so the the orange juice ad is really when the whole billy and pam thing starts to heat up because he's holding the camera she's obviously dancing and flirting and then she asks to take a shower at billy's after the shoot i was like that's a no (laughs) i mean if you're I mean, but I mean, it's not like she's (laughs) clearly it's meant as a predatory move. Like she's grooming him. Yes. Yes. All of it. Like in, in the, her like, Oh, can you develop these pictures for me? She has these calculated moments that she's going through. When they were talking in the documentary, she was like, my friends and I, that's where I was like, this is getting like, this is what her problem was. It's like, you shouldn't have shown like, you know, he has a crush on you. You are the adult here. You need to stop it immediately. Yeah. But the movie is definitely not going to show that. The movie is even in real life. She should have been like, Oh, hey, for sure. yeah, yeah. I am any adult an adult with a teenager do not do these yeah. things. Yeah. Yes. But that's, I that's know clear. in the documentary <laughs> she was like, you know, he was just paying so much attention to me and she did say that her husband cheated on her and she just wanted someone and he was just there. But I mean, right. you have to he's like 15, she's 22. You got to be like, yeah. I am the adult here. And that's that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, nip it in the bud immediately. Right. But the movie is going for a specific narrative. Right? I know so, like, that. Yeah, but like even the whole idea just... of, yes, I'm going to take a shower at your house when she could easily, basically just, it's her hands that are messy. Right. She's, right. Not, she's not covered in gunk. It's like, oh, well, her hands she, are a little, they were little spraying, sticky from the oranges. They were, st- <laughs> so. they were like pouring orange juice, like, down their clothes. Like, their clothes were sticky. Okay. But I don't remember seeing that, but <laughs> I don't know. She should have been like, okay, I'm going to go home and take a shower. Not be like, hey, can I take a shower? That's obviously, it looks like he had a shower off his own bedroom. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, no. No, it's, it's clearly a setup. I know. Um, and we're intended to believe that that's fully really how it happened. And maybe yeah. that came from testimony from Billy. Yeah. And saying like, this is where it first started. But we do know that they had a relationship in real life, so that part's not Yeah, I mean, so she does say somewhere. in the documentary that, yeah, they did have a relationship and they did sleep together. Right. So it's not, you know, it's even if the movie is exaggerated, it did happen. Yeah. Um, and at one point in the movie, basically, uh, Greg is away on business, and so Billy goes over to Pam's house, but also with Cecilia there. So it doesn't look suspicious. Right. But Cecilia is just basically just there. Um, as like the third wheel. As the third wheel where they go up and, and boink. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then Cecilia like walks in on them because she's bored because like the TV show that she was watching, well, which was she, like porn. Yeah. <laughs> like, Pam's is, like, this is like, a... Oh, this okay. porn's over. I'm bored. I'm going to knock on the door when I know you're clearly having sex. So Pam in- invites them over... And she, yeah, she's she like, thinks that Cecilia's on her side. Let's yeah, but I mean, this is also like kind of predatory on Cecilia. If if this happened, I mean, this is like on Cecilia's point of view, where Pam invites them over and they're watching like up. It looks like soft core porn, and mm-hmm. I mean, Pam and Billy are making out in front of Cecilia, and Cecilia's just kind of like rolling her eyes like oh, this sucks uh-huh. like why am i here uh-huh. and then 
they, Pam and Billy, go upstairs, and Cecilia's like, okay, have fun, whatever. I'll just finish this movie. And then when the movie ends, she's like, I'm bored. She goes upstairs, opens the door, and she sees them, you know, sleeping, like, having sex. But, I mean, we don't see them. You just hear, like, moaning or whatever. Right. Yeah, it's like, oh, two minutes have gone by. I'm bored. I'm going to go check in on them. Like, obviously you know what's going on. Yeah. Like, she knew. Yeah, so... a lot of it just doesn't Why open the door? Right. Like, I would just... if I mean, Cecilia should have been like... Uh, someone should have said something. It's some. I know Cecilia, like, in the TV movie, she told... Like, she works at some pizza place or something. Yes. And she tells a co-worker all about, like, what's going on. Like, oh, my teacher or this one. Well, woman. I question that, though. Because... It, it, okay, so the call comes into the cops as yeah. an anonymous tip as a co-worker of Cecilia's yeah. saying that Cecilia told her all this stuff. But it sounds to me like Cecilia's voice. So you think... It I was... think she's ratting herself out as an anonymous tip. But when they do call Cecilia in, she's like, who told you? Right. She's playing dumb. Okay. Yeah, she's not going to admit, especially with her mom there and Pam out in the hallway listening so you into think that stuff it was just like it was she a way herself out it was, it was a way, a way to, for cecilia to tell them without, without revealing she was the one that told them yes okay because her voice sounded almost identical i could be you know i mean it, that sounds i mean we don't hear about any of that in the uh documentary like we don't hear anything about cecilia's point of view at all in the documentary i mean the documentary is just on pam's point of view we don't hear and also uh admonishment of the media yeah this is saying media fucked everything up they're the devil including us like yeah. they're even saying like this documentary is like flawed because they show segments of some of the talking head interviews where they're like oh wait let me review my notes and you know was that okay? Do you want me to do it again? Type yeah. of a thing. And they even talked to the director, Joyce Chopra, briefly. They only have like a couple lines with her in there where the director, Joyce, basically seems to hate that she took the job. Mm-hmm. Right? She's like, you know, yeah, media is corrupting points of view. And I was yeah. a part of that. Right? You know, like she's she's taking the responsibility to basically say, yeah, oops. You know, like I on in retrospect, this was like people not are, great. Yeah, just... I mean, Pam, I don't know if, you know, she probably got, like, death threats and, you know. like Oh, sure. I mean, yeah, whatever. Um, Just from people across. I mean, if this was, this case was today, just, you know, with Twitter and social media and stuff, like, the way, it would have been, like, amplified times a million. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. uh, Like, people's. Yeah, for sure. Sides. For sure, yeah, we see that a lot, um, and, and things. The the tides turn based off of each little piece of evidence, and so yeah, little waves of stuff that happen. Um, but yeah, I think Cecilia was trying to protect herself, but it, it did make it didn't. I don't know. It was weird how they handled it in the TV movie, and that you know she's overhearing this entire plan. She like Pam basically treats her like a. Like a, friend. like a friend at times like, and like it's almost BFFs trying to t- talk to something. her as a teenager at times yeah like some like sometimes pam talks to her like a student but then other times she talks to cecilia like a best friend yeah but it and maybe i don't know anything about like pam like she seemed like she didn't have much friends i don't know yeah they don't really get into that too much at all either um I mean, I think what the movie was trying to do is also just sort of show that she was stuck in the past and how she wants to be a teenager again and how she hates being an adult and having lives and responsibilities, and so this is a way out for her. Yeah, she wants to live her teen life still. Yeah. I mean, she's She's still really young. young. So, um, but, you know, clearly there are lines that can't be crossed and are still crossed. Yeah, I think the the big thing is, you know, did she actually have any part in this murder or not? The documentary seems to think maybe not. And yeah, you know, Cecilia it, it is saying that doubt. I didn't conspire with Billy at all to make Billy kill Greg because she was like, I really loved Greg and I wanted to 
Pam, you said Cecilia didn't conspire. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, Pam and Billy. Right, yeah, you're saying that Pam did not conspire with Billy because she loved Greg. Yeah. Um, they Again, they had been married for less than a year. Um, but yet Pam was just in the documentary saying, even in her testimony on trial, she was like, "I he was a good guy. He, everyone loved him. You know, I, I still love him. And I was trying everything in my power to be with him. I think she was just hurt because he he cheated on her that one time. Right. And then she was like, I want someone to pay attention to me. I don't... And then she's got Billy. But then she... It seemed as if their relationship only happened over a matter of a couple of months. And then she tells Billy, we cannot do this anymore. And ends it. But then that's what... In this movie, it seems like she wants to be with Billy for the rest of her life. Yeah, and I don't fully know if that's true or not. Yeah. Um, Because, well... I mean, a lot of the conversations that she has, you know, again, very meant to be cold and manipulative, where when Billy doesn't kill Greg... You know the first and second times she's just like she's don't like, you want to be with me like, yeah like she's, what the hell is wrong with you you she's either like, do why this or we're done yeah she's like why would i want to be with someone like this if you can't even like do a simple thing like kill someone i don't know right, like are you a coward or do you not love me which one right is it? yeah right and, and it's like well i do that's love probably you. Okay, so like you're a coward you're yeah. a chicken shit well they don't say those i words, mean but, yeah. yeah i mean that's <laughs> probably like on the point of view of like billy's side yeah, this is probably all coming from Billy's testimony. Yeah. Because the only proof that we maybe have that she actually said these things is the Cecilia taped conversation, which again is this weird yeah, this possibly transcript. broken transcript. So So we, we don't, don't really, really have know. what really happened up until Greg's death. I mean, it's Cecilia makes it things as if like Greg became so obsessed or not Billy became so obsessed with her that he wanted to kill Greg on his own right volition right and then and enlisted he, his friends and, and got a gun yeah from got one his, of his friends, friends and a gun yeah just to kill Greg but in the movie it's like she's working with him because she's like um you know he comes home at this time I'll be at this meeting so I'll be out at I work. left the door unlocked. Like, I left out some jewelry for you to take to make it look like a botched yep. burlar- burglary. Make sure you lock my dog away. Yeah. And a lot of that stuff happened, right? The, yeah. The place did have some stuff stolen from it. Because The they dog do... was locked in the basement. Yeah, they do. She in... was in a meeting, and yeah. he was alone, and they knew that there in was the In the documentary, case. they do... I mean, they show Greg. I mean, they don't... His head is covered, thank yes, God. Yes, yes. So, but yeah, they show the they show the slumped over. him slumped over in like exactly how it is in the movie, like mm-hmm. he, right in the entryway, and even in the documentary they say about how like the dog was in the basement, and you know they do show actual video of the house like ransacked, like stuff like turned over and mm-hmm. like jewelry taken. So, but that could have just been the teenagers billy and his friends coming up with that idea themselves not pam telling him what to do yeah exactly it it could have been um and but the movie will you know again and then uh, like also in the movie she's like i'll give you a thousand dollars to do this (laughs) right and billy's not a good negotiator because at one point after he fails or you know fails to act the second time he's like well we want a thousand dollars each for each all four of us and she's like no i only have a thousand dollar total she's like billy's like okay but then then i think she was like i'm gonna get a hundred and forty thousand dollars for his insurance that's what billy was saying yeah Yeah. and i'll give you once i get that insurance money i'll give you the rest i don't think they ever said oh i think i think billy's like (laughs) i want four thousand dollars one thousand for each of us i'm only giving you a thousand dollars total okay oh okay sure (laughs) (laughs) i don't know (laughs) but um yeah, going back to the whole thing, like, after the act is done, 
they again lean into this narrative of her being very cold and emotionless because she immediately starts a media frenzy where she is in front of the camera all the time yeah right and so like when she comes home and sees her husband dead they in the tv movie show helen hunter right well first they show the they they actually show the the murder like at the very beginning of the movie but they don't show um the aftermath or anything until later it cuts to a cut room scene or a courtroom scene um and then yeah later on when they come back to the the actual event she comes home and she's basically like oh no what happened and then she you know she she's like what clearly play acting yeah she's like how do i act well this is even when she's talking to billy about it she's like how should i act when i I find when i find his body like should i call the police or should Should i go to a neighbor should i go here or there and then billy's like 15 he's like i don't know yeah so she ends up like going into the neighborhood screaming and then like a neighbor calls right and says this woman in my neighborhood is like screaming screaming for help yeah. screaming for help and that's how yeah this is handled to find greg you know slumped over and then yeah the parents come over and yeah and, and <laughs> the dad had, i don't know it was kind of a funny line to me when it shouldn't have been the dad bill smart um, he's like, children are killing children, Judy. Who knows what to believe anymore? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's so funny. Uh, the, yeah, the parents factor in to a degree. And like, yeah, Judy Smart has her moment, played by Michael Learned. Um, she has her moment of, you know, why me, God, type of a thing. Uh, Michael Learned, uh, four-time Emmy winner uh, and also a nominee for the Waltons and also nurse she's also in the 1991 movie aftermath the test of love and keeping secrets and then ken howard who played greg's dad bill emmy winner for great gardens he's in crossing jordan and probably best known for being the coach in the white shadow tv series from the 70s he's going to be in the 1991 movie oscar so yeah they factor into it and just to a degree basically just says i think they're supposed to be the audience Mm. you know because they're present when she's going through like the money concerns and when she's berating him for drinking at the Christmas party. Yeah. And so, you know, they're sort of meant to be a representation of us watching her bad behavior sort of get worse. But yeah. So getting back to the media attention side of things, basically there's a scene where the cop tells Pam, do not talk to the media. You don't Mm -hmm. want to escalate this thing. And then the very next scene is her trying to be on camera uh with um oh gosh uh bill spencer who is a reporter in real life who plays himself in this movie Mm. um he was covering it for the local new hampshire news he's you know one of the key figures as to you know why you know started to blow up a lot but it's basically her like you know saying hell oh should i do it differently do you want me to do a separate take yeah because there's a subplot very early on where she got rejected for being a tv news anchor yeah, she, so she like in the beginning these... she wanted to be on the new like a yeah a news anchor yeah she wanted she to didn't be get a that personality job. yeah so again i think it's it's leading into that sociopathic type of yeah the story yeah you know but then he's also in the documentary because he was like she called me and then he said that she was coming up with ideas and how to right frame shots or include she was like things. oh yep. let me stand over here you stand over here and then i'm gonna do this and you're gonna take a shot of me doing this like she was directing how she should be interviewed by him right and and that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way yeah. in in the public eye oh because, yeah you know she's being Coming the, across yeah. is very cold and calculated yeah, rather she's than not, any sort of emotion. There's no grief. There's no crying. Yeah, she's there's not no showing any voice. emotion at all. She's it's just... like, wow, this is really terrible what happened to my husband. Yeah. Was that okay? Should I take it again? Yeah. You know, that that's so that's but the that's impression not... she was giving off over and over again in all these yeah, different media interviews. Yeah, that's a great thing. Um, but that doesn't mean that she had any part of it. Right. It could just be that, I mean, you can be both a sociopath and also not guilty of <laughs> accessory yeah, to murder. I mean, she, right? I mean, she <laughs> so. probably has, like, she's, I don't want to, like, diagnose anything, but she's right. just probably just, you know, like a narcissist or something. Yeah, it could be. Who knows? But, yeah, so, anyway, that's the framing of the movie. Um, I will say that the courtroom 
tidbits are weird. Yeah. Like at the beginning, they they they're meant to sort of um, act as chapter breaks, mm-hmm. right? So like a thing happens, and then you go back to the courtroom, and they have like a little bit of testimony, and then you go back to reenactment, and then the courtroom, and and then eventually the courtroom stuff just kind of goes away until the end when we hear the verdict. Yeah, um, I thought it was very interesting that we get a couple of big name actors for the prosecutor and the defense who are barely in this movie, right? Like you have Howard Hessman as as uh, the prosecutor, Paul Maggiato, who's a two-time Emmy nominee for WKRP in Cincinnati. He was in Head of the Class, Flight of the Navigator, um, you know, Halloween 2 from ni- 2009, right? Um, mm-hmm. But he has, you know, five lines of dialogue, <laughs> you know? And then the defense attorney is Larry Drake, yeah, who's Dr. Giggles. <laughs> Dr. Giggles, who's Dark Man, right? Mm-hmm. A Golden Globe nominee and three-time Emmy winner for L.A. Law. I mean... I and mean, he's barely they... in the movie, too. Yeah, that's... Were they that... I guess they were They were big. Yeah, they were both big. Pretty big. I mean, definitely Howard Hessman, right? Because WKRP was before my time. Mm. You know, that was like in the 80s. Um, and, and you Larry got Drake, yeah, class, L.A. Law yeah, was like, like late 80s. 80s, early 90s. So these are their... Uh, most famous actors they got because you the Helen yes. Hunt this is kind of like she's been around but this is like right is before, before Mad About major. You yeah she and yes. then you know all the other like Twister and stuff like that all the yeah, movies yeah. that made like her Twister as good as it gets she was Oscar winner for that right um uh yeah Mad About You she has four Emmy wins for that so all before that stuff and then Billy Flynn played by Chad Allen he was. He was pretty big too as a I, child actor. Yeah, He's been in a bunch I of stuff before him this. And um, he was like the boyfriend in My Two Dads. Yeah, he was in My Two Dads. He was in Saint. He had a very key role in Saint Elsewhere, which may be a spoiler for that entire series. I don't know if I should even say it. If anyone wants to oh, go out and watch ahead. Saint Elsewhere, but um, apparently he plays um, some kid with some sort of like a brain injury or something like that. And the last episode, it's revealed that the whole series may have taken place in his head. Ah. Um, that so whole sort of like the, like the, the whole, whole series? series of Saint Elsewhere may have taken place in Chad Allen's head, character's head. I've never watched Saint Elsewhere. Me either. <laughs> but no, that's interesting. Yeah, so it's like kind of like a Newhart thing where you know it's all a dream, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then he was also in Our House with you know, Wilford Brimley, uh, Doctor Quinn, Medicine Woman. Yeah. After this, he was also the voice of Charlie Brown in Happy New Year, Charlie Brown in 1986. So he was around. And the acting is good, especially from Chad Allen and Helen Hunt. Yeah. Like, forget about how realistic it is to their characters. That's sort of beside the point in a lot of cases with movies in general. Um, I think Helen Hunt played that manipulative role really well. When she was fake acting, you knew that it was fake acting and not just bad acting. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, Chad Allen um, was good as a vulnerable punk when he needed to be, mm-hmm. and also like a stronger figure when he needed to be. You know, very good performances in this TV movie. So it's an interesting cast. Problem for me was the very end where she's found guilty, and then that's it. People like in the background are cheering. <laughs> Yeah, and then there's like a quick scene of um, yeah Bill and Judy at their son's grave laying right. flowers, and then credits. Like, yeah, there's, there's nothing, no no info about the sentence. Like yeah, that's got. what I wanted to know. I mean, wouldn't you want to give that information? Because that's what I. If something is based off of a true story, don't you want to know like the full ending? Yeah. Don't you know? It's like, like yeah. Pamela got this, and then Billy's this. Billy, like, yeah, Billy was sentenced to this, and whatever. Nothing. Because those, I thought, well, maybe the sentences hadn't been announced yet, because sometimes those can happen months later, too, and it wasn't ready by a time for production. But no, in that documentary from HBO, they announced the sentence like immediately after reading the right. verdict, that she is life in prison without the possibility of parole. Yeah. For her role as what accessory to first degree murder, right? Yeah, they should. Yeah, they should have at least showed that. But yeah, I don't they know. could have easily said it if nothing else, right? They they, they had a judge who talked in the movie. They could have they yeah. could have done it that way. 
Um, the other thing that was really interesting about this movie and how it was put together is that I could not tell where the commercial breaks were going to be. Oh. You know, like when we watched Bare Essentials, it was very clear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like for this, it was so well edited and constructed and put together. Yeah. That I, you know, I can't tell where the act breaks were. Like, where would you put your commercial for Cheetos? Orange so, juice? Did they show yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> a commercial for orange, orange juice. juice. <laughs> <laughs> if they had a, a commercial for orange juice, like right after their ad. Van Halen touring. Yeah, uh, like a Van promotion. Halen <laughs> Something like that. Um, so, yeah, it's fascinating. Um, yeah. It made me more interested in the story, for sure. Especially with, like, all the sloppy stuff that the characters do and how they're, you know... Like, why are you openly talking about all this stuff? Why yeah. did Cecilia or not she's come like forward ma- sooner? Or she's, like, openly, you know? like, making out with him, like, in front of his friends and, like, the people in her media class or whatever. She's just, like... But I don't know if that happened in real life. Mm-hmm. Like, this public display of affection of Billy and Pam in front of, like, the school. And it's, like, no one went to a principal or anything like that yeah i don't know i mean yeah they they give off this, this feeling that pam thinks that she's completely invincible and i'm sure a lot of people who do commit crimes do feel that way or people who are in affairs probably feel that way like that they're not gonna get yeah. caught right um and that becomes their downfall and i thought that maybe that's what this movie was trying to show us is that pam just thinks that she's untouchable because she's an adult and she says multiple times in the movie who are they going to believe, me or you? Yeah, you're, like, you're just a little a kid, but and I'm an adult. Yeah. Right? So, and that I'm is a real thing here. that probably a lot of kids hear yeah. in abusive right. situations. So it's yeah, this believable. gaslighting. Yeah. So yeah, um, but the again the way the movie presented things is so sloppy, and again that the motive didn't seem super super clear. Based off of how it was presented, made me think, oh, I'm interested in this story more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. It, it was effective in that way. And it, like, I mean, in the documentary, they also talked to the woman who wrote the book To Die For, which the movie is also based on. Yeah, Nicole Kidman. Um, it's, which Dylan? Matt? Kevin? Matt, Matt. Dylan Matt is Dylan. the husband. But it, she, <laughs> you know, this movie is like, the well, that book, oh, okay. to, the Phoenix. book to movie, movie, is loosely based off of this story because you know the the writer her name is Joyce Maynard she uses uh different names but it's like similar situations and then the way the movie or the book and movie ends is you know Nicole Kidman gets killed as well okay I haven't seen it oh well spoiler (laughs) (laughs) well Pam doesn't die she's still alive yeah Cause when I when I watched this movie in high school, I was like, "Oh, did Pam die?" I'm like, "No, she's alive now." Yeah. But I mean, the movie at the end gets like crazy, I guess. Right. Yeah. What happens in the end? Do you want to talk about the sentencing of the term characters? Well, yeah, that's real people. Yeah, that's this is gonna be my true crime. Okay, so ad- let's let's addition. quickly go into some of the other things. <laughs> addition to um, <clears throat> this. So we'll quickly talk about some of the cast and stuff that we haven't talked about before. Um, really, I think the only other person that we haven't talked about that's worth mentioning is uh, Joyce Chopra, the director. Um, she does a lot of documentary work, a lot of biographical, autobiographical documentary work um, leading up to this. She also is the Sundance Grand Jury winner and Spirit-nominated director for Smooth Talk, which is another fictional film from like 86, I believe, maybe 88, I don't remember. Uh, but she's only done a couple like fictional movies and I would consider this to be a fictional movie because it's not listed as a straight documentary and obviously has actors in it. Um, she also has a Director Guild of America nomination for children, Best Children's Program Directing for Molly Ann, uh, I'm sorry, Molly, and American Girl on the Homefront. So like, you know, one of those American Girl movies she was part of there um and then i think one of her other fictional movies that she's done is a movie called the lemon sisters which i'm not too very familiar with but um has some big names in there 
Uh, and she's also done some TV stuff like Law and Order SVU and whatnot. Um, otherwise, we talked about everybody else. We'll see Helen Hunt again in 1991 movie Transfers 2 into the Badlands. And also around this time, she was in the TV series called My Life in Times. So, uh, Awards. It did get one nomination from the American Cinema Editors, which are known as the Eddies. Hmm. <laughs> so it was nominated for Best Edited Television Special for Robert Florio, the editor. Uh, but he lost to John Wright for the movie Sarah Plain and Tall, which was part of the Hallmark Hall of Fame thing. And it is on our list. Um, Performance-wise, it did very well. There's no box office, obviously, because it was a TV movie. Um, but it aired on CBS on September 24th. And it was the number one program for the night mm -hmm. with a 15.9 rating and a 26.0 share. Um, and also just to sort of reiterate once again how sensationalized that they're trying to make this movie. The tagline associated with this program was, their sex games have no boundaries. Really does not have anything to do with this story like at all. That does not encapsulate this movie <laughs> or, or the plot in my opinion. So... Um, it did very well in the ratings, so we got the number one spot, so mission accomplished. And that's about it, so we can go on to the, the true aspect, what we know to be true, potentially, of the Pamela Smart story now. Yeah, there was a, well I found like a bunch of random articles that we can put on the website, because I wanted to know where are these people now? And from watching that documentary, Captivated, that was from 2014, and a couple years ago, there was a dateline about her again. But I, I listened to the podcast. Like, I tried to watch the episode, but it's not online anymore. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of pretty much the same of what was told in the documentary except that she's still trying to find a way to reduce her sentence sure she's trying right now i'm in we didn't talk about this but in the documentary she talks about how badly treated she was when she started going to prison like she was beat up and she has like a metal plate in her cheek or whatever but she just turned into studying and she's got like a multiple master's degrees master degrees and like multiple fields even like criminal justice now hmm. so that's what this dateline thing was about and she's trying to get in contact with the new hampshire governor to reduce the sentence because i guess you know at that time she's just saying how the conviction for first degree murder in new hampshire is like automatically life without parole yeah and, and to be clear she was committed of accessory accessory yeah not even actually committing yeah the she yeah because she didn't even do it life without parole she didn't hold the gun right she wasn't there she was not present yeah no one's claiming she so was. she's like accessory to it but i guess for that conviction you just automatically get life without parole and she's just saying how, um, like, that's very archaic and it's still the law as of, like, today, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was from 2019, but I'm assuming still today. And she's trying to overturn that, like, contacting the New Hampshire governor to reduce, at least reduce her sentence or at least give her parole. Mm -hmm. As for... Billy. So there's Billy. We didn't even say, like, the friend who was with him, Randall. Right, yeah, we didn't talk too much about that. Yeah, Randall. Like, the names of the other teens. Yeah. But, yeah, um... Uh, Pete Randall, Raymond Fowler, and then, um, J.R. Mm -hmm. Vance, um... They didn't say his real name. They just called him J.R. Yeah. In this movie. I couldn't find too much about the two friends, but... Billy Flynn was he was sentenced to forty years with twelve years deferred and then he was paroled in two thousand fifteen. 
when we watched that documentary, that was 2014, but at the end of that documentary, they even said that Randall and Flynn were considered to be under parole soon. And if anyone's wondering how that's possible when Pam can't get parole, it's because basically those teenagers, one, I think were minors, so that was probably yeah. considered, and two, they helped the police build the case against Pam yes. for a reduced sentence of second-degree murder and whatnots. Yes. So that's, that has a They show sentence. that at, near the end of the TV movie, like, all three teens to talk together. And this was kind of dumb, because they don't really do it in front of, like, a lawyer or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just the three of them, like, hey, if... They're trying to convince Billy, mainly, because Billy's like, but I love her. Right. And I don't want to do this to her. Yeah, I don't type want to turn thing. against her. Yeah, because yeah, I love her. And but it's like the two teenagers telling his friends, telling Billy, like, "Hey, do you want to be in prison for the rest of your life, or do you want to like reduce your sentence and help us, you know, convict Pamela as the mastermind mm-hmm. out of this whole thing?" And he, eventually, he does. But he he was released in 2015, as well as Randall. So Randall and Flynn, they, they pleaded guilty to second-degree murder, and after the plea bargain, they got their sentence of 28 years instead of life. And then in March 2009, a judge knocked three years off of Randall's sentence over the objection of prosecutors who noted that he was involved in a jailhouse assault 15 years before. And the judge said that Randall's record otherwise has been spotless and that he's shown great remorse. So he was also paroled in 2015. Billy lives, like, as of these articles that I was reading, this was, the articles that I got all this info from were, like, 2015 and 2016. So I don't know what's going on as of, like, 2016 to now. Right. But Billy... He moved to Maine, and he lives on a three-and-a-half-acre land with his wife, and he just lives this private life where he tries to avoid the limelight because I guess people still recognize him. Oh, okay. And then Randall Flynn, it was or Randall, I shouldn't say, he wasn't allowed to move back to New Hampshire... So, but they just said that he also moved away as well, and he lives, like, a similar lifestyle, like, just trying to stay under the radar. And I was trying to find stuff about Cecilia, and there is an article that I read. She just, well, she, because in the movie and in real life, she was like, I want to be a journalist as well. Mm -hmm. But because of how the media handled this whole thing that turned her off completely from wanting to go into journalism. Okay. So she moved away. She lives like somewhere in the Midwest now. And she's like, in this article, she's like, I wish I never even met Pamela Smart. Well, yeah. I I think anybody who (laughs) would be involved in this. Right. But yeah, I mean, she did go on like a media blitz after the the case is over, while the case was going on. Right. Did a lot of interviews. And And now she's, 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 I mean, as of like 2015, 2016, she's like married and she's a nurse. Okay. I have the court TV stuff and that was kind of interesting. That we can put the link to that on the website. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it seems like there's more to this case than meets the eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does seem like it was done very, very quickly. And I'm sure we could get into a very long conversation about the court system and, the, you know, when punishments meet the crimes and all that kind of stuff could be gotten into if we really wanted to, but we're not going to, right? <laughs> we kind of, like, alluded to thoughts. But um, why don't we just move on to rankings and ratings instead? Yeah. All right, so on your one to five star scale, where would you put... Murder in New Hampshire, the Pamela Smart story. Um, I mean, I'm going to give this a three. I mean, I didn't... I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I was interested the entire time. Me too. And I was... um, The only thing I really didn't like was kind of just the -the over-the-top PDA and, like, the cheesiness of certain things. 
Yeah, but it was... the acting was fine. The editing was fine. The way that they were kind of like true to how the visuals were was good. I, I completely agree. Yeah, on my zero to four star scale, I'd probably give this a three as well. It's this is probably one of the best TV movies, <laughs> right, TV well, made for TV movies I've seen. We've seen technically three TV movies if you want to count Cast a Deadly Spell since that was an HBO. Yeah, original. and this is my and we favorite of the three. <laughs> um, I, I think Cast a Deadly Spell is probably like easily the most well made. Um, and felt like a real movie this felt like a tv movie except for the lack yeah. of commercial break noticeability um but yeah i mean solid acting it it got me interested in the story right you know it made me want to learn more which i think is a very crucial part to anything that's dealing with true to life events is that it piques your curiosity so um every movie is worth watching once would you watch it again uh sure but i wouldn't go out of my way to but I don't know this will never come back on TV ever but if it was on I would watch it right yeah it's probably gonna stay on the streaming services I wish honestly I wish there are so many more TV movies available on streaming services that are like this yeah just yeah in general like there's so many that are lost to the world where you have like popular now popular actors who were in these yeah. early productions that you don't get a chance to see and it'd be fascinating to kind of revisit some of those so i don't know if anybody knows how to make that happen um but yeah i'm kind of in the same boat as well i think i'd be more inclined to watch more stuff about pamela smart in general but not necessarily this I feel like I got enough like more out of documentaries, the, like yes. an update. Yeah, I'd be more yeah. interested to see like actual documentary stuff, or maybe even a different interpretation of fictionalized. Looking but, at the um, when I was trying to research this a little bit, there I think on that's there was a Discovery Plus uh, series about this as well, like a six part type of you know kind of like the staircase type of thing sure so they i don't know if they would give more information yeah so i would be much more inclined to watch something like that than to watch this again i feel like i know exactly what this movie was trying yeah, to tell me like more so real I'm, life stuff i'm good i'll watch other helen hunt stuff i'll watch other chad allen stuff and i'll watch other pamela smart stuff i'll watch to die for again because i like that oh movie. yeah i'd watch to die for i'd never seen that that'd be fun even though I know you can compare yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, if you out there want to watch Murder in New Hampshire the Pamela Smart story as of this recording in December 2021 it's available on Tubi IMDB TV the Roku channel digital rental VHS DVD as always check your local listings as for us you can find us on all your major podcasting platforms please do remember to rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends you can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Letterboxd. Just search 1991 Movie Rewind or go to 1991MovieRewind.com for the full list of movies along with show notes and more. Uh, next week, we're in January. We're in the cold weather, so we're going to watch Cool as Ice. That's <laughs> available on Tubi, IMDb, TV, Con TV, Digital Rental, VHS TV. We will see you then. 